All right, well, it's good to see you all here this morning. Let's see, we got a uh, little less than two weeks before Christmas. It's coming fast. Hallelujah. Don't you just love this time of the year? I love, thank you, Delonda and the ladies that did all the decorating in the house. Amen. I know Victoria, she's, Victoria's a tweaker, and a, not a drug tweaker, but a <laughs> she, she, she tweaked the trees, tweaked the reefs, and, and she did all that so that they look all full and, and nice. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Victoria. <laughs> well, as I told you last week, we're talking about three trees, and three trees are not really trees per se, but people, three different kinds of people. And we're going to read that passage we read last week. And uh, so if you'll stand with me, we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 out of the New Living Translation. It's titled, Visitors from the East. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are you not, are not least among you the ruling cities of Judah? For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and the learned from the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. The star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened the treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And dear Heavenly Father, as we, we go into your word today, I pray that, Lord, we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit would have for us. Now, Lord, that we would leave here transformed, Father God, that we'd be changed by the hearing of the word and encouraged, Father, today in the name of Jesus, that your hand be with us. And Father, even as we've already prayed, that people would be healed by hearing your word today. So, Father, we glorify you, we exalt you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Last week, we opened up with the indifferent person. Everybody say indifferent. Indifferent means having no particular interest or sympathy. Unconcerned. Most workers were, were indifferent to foreign affairs. Synonyms to an indifferent. Unconcerned about, apathetic about, toward, uncaring about, casual about, nonchalant about. And as we talked about being indifferent to the things of God, according to the word of God, see, because you might think you're not being, we're not being indifferent towards God until we look at the word. And as we get into the word, then we can see the pattern that God has for us to live by and then what we're doing. And so we've got to cut out the indifference. And um, 
We don't want to fall into the indifference that the priest walked in to the point of such an appalling gulf of religious belief and practice. See, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to practice it, amen? And I mean, because even the demons believe that he's real, amen? Even the demons believe that he is the son of God. I mean, when, they, when Jesus confronted demon-possessed people and the demons in him would say, please don't send us to the abyss yet, you know? Or they'd say, hey, what are you doing here, son of God? You know, they just, they knew who he was, but it wasn't enough to change the way they acted. Wasn't enough to bring repentance because believing means to be sold out to. In Romans 10, 9, we're told about believing. It says in verse nine, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's two key words in that scripture, confess and believe, amen? And James tells us about confess and he says, confess your faults one to another that you what? That you may be healed, amen? And so there's, there's healing there. So confession and believe. And now the belief is a very strong word. Now, if you've done any of the, um, the Bible studies on Wednesday night with us, if you're in, you have that spirit filled life Bible, um, right there, it gives you word wealth and it tells you what the meaning of belief is and believe. It means to trust in, have faith in, be fully convinced of, acknowledge, to rely on. It's more than a credence in church doctrines or articles of faith. It expresses reliance upon a personal trust, listen, that produces obedience. Obedience. This is the kind of belief we have. We're that we're obedient to the word of the Lord. Amen. We're obedient to what God tells us to do. It includes submission and a positive confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. That we're totally submitted to God's way of doing things and his way of being right. Not Ron King's way of doing things, not Ron King's way of being right, but God's way, amen? That's where you want to be submitted. Not Lord's way, not Liz's way, but God's way. And so as we get into your word, the word, and we, we read it and we digest it, it should bring transformation in our lives so that the more we walk through the word, the more we look like Jesus, amen? amen? That people would say, oh, man, here comes that holy Bob again here. What are we going to do? Here comes Holy Bob. Here comes Holy Charlie. You know, what are we going to do? You know, and people start getting nervous when you come around them, Victoria. They're like, oh no, here she comes. And then right away, they start cleaning up the way they talked. You know, they, they start changing their language. You know, they're like, you know, from swearing, cussing, swearing, Liz. They're like, oh no, here comes Liz. Don't cuss, man. She don't like that. You know, <laughs> you know or Jeanette. Jeanette will be chewing you out. Stop talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody that knows Jeanette. <laughs> but we cannot afford to be indifferent to the scriptures. We can't be indifferent to the word of the Lord. Amen. So as we move forward from indifference today, we move forward into number two. Number two is opposing the king. Number one is indifference. That was last week. Today is opposing the king. And there's a lot of people who are opposing the king today. And the king, who is king? Jesus. Thank you, Mario. Jesus is the king. And in this passage, we're gonna, we'll take a look at who is opposing the king. 
And it's in verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3 in Matthew. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. It just sounds like for everyone to be disturbed that they're looking for the king of the Jews to be, to be born, that news traveled fast. All of Jerusalem's disturbed by this. All, everybody's like, what are they talking about? It's like, it's like those, came into, those wise guys came into town and everybody knew what they were looking for. It's like they must have walked through town and said, hey, do you know where the king of the Jews is born? Do you know where the king of Jews is born? Do you know where the king of Jews? I mean, they just must have went, 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 went. Because it says all Jerusalem was all, what does it say? Disturbed when they heard that they were looking for the king of the Jews. They're, and so instead of being all joyful about it, they were disturbed by it. Man, I got stuff in my heart right now. Whew. I, I, I got to... I gotta slow down right now. I'm gonna go to the end in a hurry. <laughs> but he was he was the king of the Jews, and Herod didn't want any competition. He was upset and he was disturbed by this because you know when 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 um, you know when a king took over in a place, you know you could read through it in the Old Testament. When the king took over, they killed a lot of the offspring. They killed all the competition. And everything. They didn't want anybody to, to um, take over. Like if Laurent was king and they killed Laurent, then they would kill all his offspring so the offspring wouldn't come back to claim the throne. So here's Herod and he's confronted with the king of the Jews is to be born and now he's freaked out. And so if you go to Matthew chapter 2 verse 16 and it's titled the massacre of the innocents, it says when Herod then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all his districts from two years old and under, according to the time he had determined from the wise men. This is extreme opposition to the king. To start murdering, killing innocent children, to do away with the competition. The opposition has been going on for a long time. This story might even sound familiar to you because remember when Moses was born and the, they heard that the deliverer was to be born and so Pharaoh killed all the innocents to children under two years of age to destroy the deliverer. And God had favor on Moses the way that God had favor on Jesus. God had um, Moses' mom make a little basket, put it, some pitch on it, some tar on it, put it in the Nile River. And it's funny because we were there at the Nile last year. And it's like, wow, this, and we're like, hey, where did this happen at? They said, in this area. We were in Cairo. And they're like, in this area. And we're just like, man, I just wanted to sit on the Nile. <laughs> you know, We had a restaurant, a restaurant on the Nile River one day. And it just... You know, your mind's just racing with all this stuff. And um, Pharaoh's sister, whatever, got the baby, raised him as the son of Pharaoh. And um, he was rescued in the same way Jesus was rescued because um, Jesus was able to flee Herod because Joseph had a what? A dream. Joseph had a dream and told the, to take the baby to Egypt. And this... This is fulfilling prophecy out of Hosea 11.1. 1. God's continuing love for Israel. It says, verse, 
Verse one, it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So Joseph has a dream, responds to the dream, takes the child to Egypt, where they stay until Herod dies. And he's again directed through a dream as to where to settle. He's told, don't go back to Bethlehem, go to Galilee. So his dreams helped him to miss the opposition of the enemy and to be in the place to fulfill the prophetic words of God. Amen. So God can lead us around opposition if we let him, if you're listening so that you, you don't get caught up in what's going on, but God can lead you around that. Amen. And he speaks to you, Liz, he speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you prophetically through people. He speaks to you in that small, still voice. Amen. He gives you dreams. He gives you visions. These are all ways that God speaks to you to give you divine direction so that you can miss out on the opposition that the king is bringing. And I, I remember when I was in Pakistan one time and we pulled up on a checkpoint. All the guards had machine guns. They were yanking the people out of the car in front of us. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do now? And my driver just backed up and went around it. I'm like, that's one way. <laughs> Just go around it, you know, go around the opposition, you know, but when you, when you see that kind of opposition, you know, you're like, it makes you a little nervous, you know, or like when you're hiding in the attic in a, in a country far, far away and, and the opposition is looking for you. Those kind of things make you nervous, but God gives you a way out. Just don't get caught up in it. But that, that's 2000 years ago. When we look at what Jesus, that opposition, what kind of opposition is going on today towards the King? We still have the murdering of innocents in the world today. Abortion is very strong in the world. You know, in the, in the United States, we keep track of the amount of abortions that are legal in the USA. And, and we're totaling over 60 million now since we allowed it in 73. So, uh, but in a country like China, where there's the one child law, you know, there's millions killed every year. You know, and I praise God for men like Pastor Peter. He's out speaking at another church today. But Pastor Peter has four kids, you know, but the way, the way they do it, our, our Chinese son, Tim, he has three kids and God has always provided a way for them to get around that one child law. But Pastor Peter has four kids. But the, the thing is, is the government will only recognize the firstborn child. So if you happen to have more than that, the government won't recognize them. So I know my son, Tim, he, he registered one in his name, one in his mom's name. And, you know, there's just, you know, God give them a direction around the opposition. Amen. And that's what God will do for you. Amen. So, but in the U.S., over 60 million abortions and, and the opposition continues. And I tell you the opposition. Um, can you imagine how many pastors and evangelists have been sacrificed because of this opposition? But then you hear of people that who have survived the abortion and lived to tell the story, to share their story about it and um, how God is using them in a powerful way today. So why do I talk about abortion opposing the king? Number one, that's how Pharaoh handled it. Number two, that's how Herod handled it. Number three, that's how the world's doing it today. And number four, the direction, this direction is going to be heavily pushed by the new administration. Big time. 
And I'm going to give you my thoughts about this. Because with the appointment, I'm going to get a little political with you today. Don't do it a lot, but I'm going to today. With the appointment of Xavier Becerra to the Health and Human Services Secretary, the church will experience extreme opposition to the king. Because um, when it was, when Planned Parenthood was exposed to selling body parts, this guy, Xavier Becerra, prosecuted the, the two people that exposed Planned Parenthood. And you know what? Those two people lost. One guy got fined $150,000 for exposing Planned Parenthood. The other person that helped him got fined like $25,000. In all, there was like $750,000 in fines levied against them because they exposed Planned Parenthood for selling body parts. And this is the man that they're putting over Health and Human Services in Washington, okay? So you, you know that if somebody is so bold to do that, and now they're going to be the head of health and human services, there's going to be a big push for abortion in the land. And listen, abortion wasn't for a woman's concern when it was started. It wasn't, you know, for a woman's choice. Abortion was created to eliminate lives. Bottom line, eliminates, you know, if, if black lives really matter, they would start looking where Planned Parenthood planted places so that they could destroy a race. Amen. That's what's happening in America today. And that's what's come. The opposition against the king. Now, he's going to push for churches to pay for abortions. Um, that we, they'll try and make us not be exempt from um, killing the innocents. Now this is, this is, as I was praying this week, this is what came to me. When the deliverer came into Egypt, he was birthed. And they did everything they could to kill all the babies two years and younger so that they would not have that deliverer there. When Jesus was born, now we, we think, think in terms of Bethlehem. The King James Version says from Ramah that those babies were killed. Ramah is five miles north of Jerusalem. Bethlehem is five miles south of Jerusalem. So it's that 10 mile circle that they killed all the innocents. It wasn't just in Bethlehem, it was in Jerusalem to the north to Ramah. They killed a lot of babies. And that's why, you know, it was that, that cry of Rebecca's heart for that, for that child. But right now, you know, the enemy, I believe, has devised a plan so that it doesn't happen to him again. I believe that abortion is a plan of the enemy so that he doesn't get blindsided by the birth of another king. He is not... He's not stuck on the fact that Jesus is coming on a king, riding on a cloud, going to blow a trumpet and we're going to go up. He's trying to destroy any king that would be birthed into this world that's going to disrupt his kingdom. And I, I just see how the enemy's at work and it's going to be pushed harder and harder because the enemy is afraid more and more. Because we're seeing right now, you know, in the administration, the Trump administration right now, we're seeing peace being made with Jerusalem. We're seeing countries making peace pacts with Jerusalem right now. And you 
you see another country came in this last week, you know, and these are countries that hated Israel, but God is bringing peace. You need to start reading Ezekiel 38 and 39 again. Get ready for it because God is moving and we need to be ready. But I believe the enemy is opposing the king. And so that's why when you see um, President Trump making peace, peace treaties with, not treaties, because it's going to be a treaty if there were, but the, uh, the peace covenants with other countries in Israel right now. If the administration changes, they're going to cut off with Israel because President Obama cut off Israel. And so uh, uh, President-elect Biden is uh, very much going to follow that same steps. There's going to be opposition to the king coming up. It's not, I mean, it's already here, but it's going to get worse. It's going to get more intense. And let me tell you this, you're going to have to decide which side you're going to be on. You're going to have to decide who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow the world or are you going to follow the king? Amen. Are you going to do things the world's way? Are you going to be okay with the world? See, because the world's okay with the abortion thing. The world's okay with the homosexual movement. God is not. God is not. You know, in Norway, they made it against the law to talk against transgenderism in your own home. You cannot have a personal conversation against transgenderism in Norway without breaking the law. I don't know how they'll find out, Danny, if they're bugging everybody or if they just expect family members to report each other. And listen, that's going to happen too. I mean, they're already testing us right now. Are you going to um, turn in your friends and neighbors for having a party during COVID? They're asking you, please to report them. Please turn them in. They're already asking. The opposition against the king is about to come really real for everybody. And you see, if you're not all in, if you're not all in um, in opposing the enemy, then you're going to have a tough time. You know, um, there was that one man, Culverfield or something like cumbersome or whatever from Kentucky that had dreams. He had these dreams. He said there were people that sat in the front that really praised the Lord, really worshiped. And there was people that stayed in the back and they just sat there and watched. And the people that were in the back begin to get upset because they praised the Lord so much. And that the enemy had dispatched wolves into America and that the wolves came into the church and sat next to the people that were getting disturbed. And the people that were getting disturbed in the back of the church started rising up and speaking against the church because they didn't like all the praise and everything that was going on. See, it's the church that rose up against the church in his dreams. Now I can see that happening. I can see Liz, people getting upset. Well, they just praised the Lord too long. What? Well, oh my gosh. Why don't they, you know, oh. <laughs> she's laughing. <laughs> you probably hear a little bit. <laughs> we should, we should, we shouldn't, you know, I, I talked to one pastor. I said, how long do you guys praise the Lord? He goes, 17 minutes. I'm like, what? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. 17 minutes. Yeah, we gotta be out. I'd rather cut me short than cut worship short. No, don't be so quick on that. (laughs) 
I had my keys, I'd play my harmonica right now. But there is opposition coming. Thank you, brother. Mario. We all need a harmonica. Where was I? <laughs> At Hanma Harmonica too. We all need to worship. Hey, <laughs> Don is paying attention. Good job. Yeah, high five. But we all need to engage in worship. We need to worship the king. Because I'm telling you, there's opposition coming that is gonna gonna. I mean, listen, Victoria, they're already telling us don't sing in church. You're a bunch of lawbreakers, just so you know. But when the law comes against the king, it doesn't matter. See, but get ready for it. Get ready for it. We're already starting to talk in our staff meetings about what we need to do. Because we're, we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to do things in the days ahead. You know, I've been to countries where this is against the law. And you know, before this whole thing wraps up, this is all gonna be against the law. And this is all gonna, you know, and so we gotta, we gotta learn to navigate through it. The opposition's coming. The line's being drawn in the sand. What side are you going to be on? See, because this side may be comfortable for you, but not profitable. This side, because the narrow ways, it's difficult. The narrow way is not always easy. The broad way, it's easy. But the narrow way, it's not going to be that easy. And you got to decide... You're going to talk. <laughs> you got to decide which side you're going to be on. No longer can we remain silent about what's happening in our, in our world. We were having a conversation the other night. Scott was sharing it. And um, he talked about, you know, World War II. All it takes is for a few good people to say nothing. That's how it happens. That's how you kill six million Jews. You know, I just have to share it really quick because the way you're saying that we have to navigate through this, the Lord gave me a way to navigate through this, my dream. Because you know, we've been doing a lot of kayaking and the fear of sharks and um, being in the water, but I overcame that and I just would go anyway. I'm not letting fear stop me. But the Lord gave me a dream and it was so real that I could hardly breathe when I woke up. But for whatever reason, I was alone on the water in my kayak and I was capsized. And all of a sudden I'm in the water and I'm panicked beyond where I'm crying out to God because the waters were filled with huge sharks and they were circling me and bumping me. And I was, I was, as you can imagine, a mess. And the Lord spoke to me very powerful and very, very fervent. And he said, do exactly what I say. 
I want you to put your feet together because I had a life vest on. Put your feet together, cross them. Keep them straight in the water. Do not move. Do not make a sound. So as the sharks were circling me, all I did was in my head pray. And I kept completely silent, completely still. And all of a sudden, the sharks were gone and a huge boat came and pulled me out of the water and I woke up. God is telling you to do exactly what he says. But this is the problem. Do you hear God's voice? And do you know his word? That's what you need to be concerned about. If you cannot hear God's voice, you better start seeking to hear his voice so that you hear his instructions. Because that's exactly what we need to do in these last days is to be completely obedient to his voice. And he will guide us through all of the sharks. Amen. Amen. The opposition is going to mount in the days ahead. And I believe that you're going to see things that you never thought you would. And it's not going to be about flying cars. But I ask you this question. What about your house? What about your heart? How do we show opposition to the king? Matthew 12, 30. He says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So basically, if you're not for him, you're against him. If you're not speaking for him, you're speak, you're, your silence speaks against him. You know, um, I just remember at the end of World War II, I think it was Eisenhower that said, take pictures of this because later on they're going to tell you that this didn't really happen. And that's what they're doing right now. They're not talking about, you know, six million Jews being uh, put in the ovens and, and killed or gas chambers. No, they're declaring that this, that never really happened. God is calling us as the body of Christ to rise up right now. If we're silent about what's going on and do nothing, if it doesn't bother us or agitate our spirit, man, then we could very well be opposing the king. When we participate in the things of the world that God is against, we're opposing the king. When we allow it in our lives and don't do anything about it, we're opposing the king. King Herod so opposed the king. Matthew 2, verse 18. A loud voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. As I said, it was a 10-mile stretch of killing babies under two years old at that time. Right now, the tally is over 60 million in the U.S. And like I said, when I was praying the other day, I really felt in my spirit the enemy's trying to do a preeminent strike against the King of Glory. And we got to rise up and we got to be the voice. Amen. We've got to stand and we've got to start opposing the enemy and stop opposing Jesus. We've got to look at our own lives 
and say, how do I oppose King Jesus and what do I need to do to turn away from it? Because that's what matters. Because listen, if you oppose Jesus, you're not going to go in the rapture. Bottom line. Would you invite you to heaven if you were opposing me? Or somebody was opposing you? Would you invite me to your house if I was against you, Delanda? No, <laughs> you wouldn't, you know, and that's going to be the thing with the Lord. He's not going to invite the opposition into that, into the kingdom of heaven. Are you imposing him? Are you more, is it more than being indifferent? Is it acting against the king, your lifestyle? We need to be alert right now. We need to pay attention to the king, amen, and, and his word so that we don't oppose him, so that we're doing all that he's called us to do, and that we begin to act on it, that we begin to be a voice, that we begin to share with people. You don't have to be mean in sharing. You don't have to argue with people. Just speak the word of God, because the word of God is what does not return void. Not your words, but the word of God, amen? Get to know it so that you don't oppose it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we're here today and we've heard your word, and we see what King Herod did to oppose you, we see what Pharaoh did to oppose you, and Lord, we see what I believe the enemy's plan is to oppose you right now on the earth. And Father, I pray that, Lord, that you just help every one of us right now to not oppose you in any way. That, Lord, that we not... <laughs> that we not walk against the wind of the Spirit, that we not walk against the wind of your word, but Lord, that we'd go with it, that we'd learn to go with the flow of your Spirit and the word of God, and Lord, that we would adhere to your word and to the Spirit like never before, that Lord, that we'd be so bold and so strong, God, that Lord, that we would um, squash rebellion in the name of Jesus. We would squash the opposition with the word of the Lord. Even in the way that you did, Lord, you squashed the enemy with the word of the Lord. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Lord, that we squash the opposition, even the opposition in our minds, God, in our actions, Father God, in the way that we carry ourselves, Father. And Lord, that we would no longer oppose you, God. But Lord, we'd make the changes. We'd make the adjustments in our life, Father, so that we're not rebelling against you. But Lord, we're proclaiming your, your word in the land. Lord, we're being a voice of the Lord on this land. Father God, that we're standing up for all that is good and that is right in the kingdom of God. Father God, that we not allow the opposition of the enemy to overtake our land, Father. But Lord, that we stand in the gap, Father God. We fight against the world system, God. By focusing in on you, by praising you. Lord, we've declared today how we fight our battles. Let us do it more. Let us do it more intense, God. Let us do it with our whole heart. Let us, let us sing with everything inside of us. Let us give with all that we can, God. Let us give till it hurts, God. Let us, Father God, celebrate you. Let us forgive people, Father God, that we don't hold anything against people. Let us receive the love of God like never before today. Give us strength, God. Book of Deuteronomy, it says, live above the line only. Don't live below the line. Father, I pray that today that we would 
live above the line with your way of doing things and your way of being right. And we'd forsake the plans of the devil. We'd forsake the enemy's plans, God. That you give each one of us supernatural strength like never before, God. And such boldness, such holiness, Lord, that we'd be transformed. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, there's been some, I know there's been some opposition in me I need to get rid of right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. I think if we're all honest, we have a little bit of opposition in all of us. And we need to do away with it. So Father, I pray that you forgive us where we've not been all in. I pray you forgive us where you, we've opposed things in the kingdom. And I pray, Father God, as you forgive us, God, that Lord, that you give us a great big turnaround. A turnaround, Father God, into the things that you have said and you've declared, that you've decreed to us, God. And we stand upon your word like never before, Father. And that, Lord, that you would be alive in us and through us. We thank you for that, Father. And I thank you, Father God, for people's honesty today, God. And you saw all the hands, God. And I pray, Lord, just a new strength, God, a new strength. Lord, that we not be silent, that we just not go into the night silent. Father God, but when we go into the night kicking and screaming and declaring the word of the Lord. And Father, that uh, we would have the boldness that, that the apostles had, God. We have the boldness that Stephen had. We not live in fear of who we are in Jesus Christ. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. And I forget his name right now, but it was about 300 BC. There was a man that wouldn't stop proclaiming Jesus. They, they took him out and they were going to burn him at the stake. They lit the fire, but he didn't burn. They lit the fire and he kept preaching. And as he kept declaring the word of the Lord, coming against the opposition, he just kept preaching and he didn't burn. They finally got so sick, like the, the men that killed Stephen in Acts chapter 8. They, they got so frustrated with him that somebody, a guard, took and threw a spear at him. The spear hit him and his blood gushed out and it put out the fire. There's going to be opposition. But we've got to be all in with Jesus. And continually, continually examine your heart to make sure you're not opposing Jesus. But that you don't allow the enemy, you know, because what the enemy is about to do, he's about to make you look like you're a hater. Even young people declare the church as haters today because we don't receive homosexuality. We're not in for abortion. We're not in for the things that the world is saying. And they declare that, well, the church is haters. No, we're lovers of God. Amen? Haters of sin. Not people, sin. We love God. Amen? And so we want to line up with God. So in the days ahead, there's going to be opposition to that. And you will be challenged. And you need to be ready and strengthened and encouraged by the king. Amen? You need to hold on and get ready because I know this, Jesus is coming, amen. And I believe, Cindy, you're going to see it, you know, and uh, I believe it's going to happen. It's, and it's just lining up, Lauren, 
And we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. For when that trumpet sounds, we're heading that way. Amen. Jeanette, come on. Amen. That was a fantastic worship service, I have to say. Um, just before service, Pastor Delanda and her rolling water cup. Um, <laughs> Pastor Delanda and I were in intercessory prayer, and she kept getting a word. And that word was movement. And she said, I don't know what this word means, Lord. Movement. And the Lord gave me the word. And the word was, when you're sitting still, like water that moves freely, when that water is still and that water is not moving, it cannot be filtered. If the water is moving, it can be filtered. We have to move. There has to be movement in the church, not just New Hope, the church. There has to be movement. When you're in prayer, for those that are sick right now with COVID, a lot of our church, a lot of our loved ones being affected by this, is health and job, etc. movement, in prayer. We have some movement announcements for you. How's that? Here's some ways you can move. Sunday, we have our young adults. They are going to be online only at 5.30 today, tonight. And then on Monday, we have one Zoom call for the men at 7 p.m. Men, plug in. I hear so many good things about this. Even the young men, plug in. 7 o'clock. Tuesday, we have, um, you can be in the house or you can catch us online. We have Live at 5 with Pastor Ron. And then we have a prayer at 7 p.m. Wednesday, we have our lifted youth. We love our youth. And on Wednesday, they're also meeting in the house and online. You can go on Facebook, Instagram, and meet them there. That's at 7 p.m. And I know here in the building, they like to meet at 6.30 to hang out. So all you young people can do that. And then Friday night, I'm going to encourage you to be here. Friday night at 7 p.m., there's nothing that's going to change your life and come into a prayer meeting. It is incredible. Be here, 7 p.m., or catch us online. And then January 4th, let's get ready for January 4th. We're going to have our corporate fast. It's 20 days. It's not much to ask, just 20 days. I know Pastor Delanda just did six weeks of fasting, and I thought that was insane, but it can be done. That, that wide and that narrow. The narrow is very narrow, but it can be done. So let's prepare for that 20-day fast. Keep those that we love in prayer. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday. God bless you guys. We'll see you.